Well, we finally got NPR News to work, so you know where you are on the stock market at all times. My name is Joellen Schilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the most. I'm so excited that I get to talk to you today. Even more exciting, we get to talk with uh, two two interviews today. We're going to be uh, speaking with Aguera Sanchez about her amazing, beautiful, stunning show at the Morian Arts Center called The Other Pandemic. And then at the end of the show, Ed Lehman, he who hosts Postmodern Hoot Nanny, is going to pop in to talk about the Living Mirror uh, playback tonight. So stay tuned. Be groovy. We'll let you know a couple things. I thank Tina and Stephanie and Natty, Van and Lynn and Chris and David and Mark. Uh, thank you to Rhonda and Stephen and Bob. Richard and Philip and Michelle, thank you so much to Co-Conspirator. Thank you for supporting Art in Your Ear. So, so thrilled that we made our goal last week. Thank you for that support. The station just needs a little teeny, 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 little teeny, teeny bit. So if you do not get a chance to support the shows you listen to, I ask you, please go online at WMNF.org or call 813-238-8001 and go ahead and do that final thing you listen you love now support WMNF community radio our radio station uh, we're here for you we're the only live local independent radio station uh, we have a sister station in WUSF but they're tied to university we are your station so do that uh, coming up, so I said we were going to be talking to Agueda pretty soon. I want to let you know one other thing. Uh, WMNF, we have a show on Sundays called The 70 Show, and it's hosted by Michael K. Tuff Bagby, and he is a teacher, and he spoke at the, uh, at the school board meeting and talked about the concept of woke. And I have to say, what he did was uh, change my eyes and really give some pressure to that. So if you go online to the latest school board meeting about halfway through, listen to KTEF and it'll, it'll make you feel good. All right, let's play some Flying Stars of Brooklyn. My God has a telephone. And we'll be back with Aguera Sanchez.
that's the Flying Stars of Brooklyn, one of my all-time favorite songs. And part of the reason why that song was played because of our guest's art show up at the Morian Art Center in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg. We're speaking, um, oh, am I going to butcher your name again? Aguida? Aguida? I'm sorry. Aguida. I am so sorry. And I had it right one time. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Welcome back to Art in Your Air. I'm so excited. Uh, The second, literally the second I saw the show, I was like, yeah, we're doing an interview on this. Um, And you have a show up at the Morian called The Other Pandemic. And that is up through, I think, March 23rd or 24th there. during the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic, didn't this happen really early in the pandemic? Yeah. So at the beginning, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go at the ahead. beginning of the pandemic, uh, you were here in, were you in Tampa? Were you in Brooklyn? Yeah, where, I was in Tampa. I was in Tampa. You were in here in Tampa and your mother and your sister were in Spain. Mm-hmm. Where in Spain were they? Uh, in Tarragona. I moved to the U.S. when I was 23 and... I left my family behind. I came to study and I got married and I was kind of the only member of my nuclear family that was abroad. Mm. So, yeah. Um, And you, but you grew up, I mean, it seems that your sister, you were only a year or two apart, right? It seemed you were pretty close, it looked like. Yeah, yeah, we were three and a half years. Okay, so yeah, so so. you grew up with each other. But then what happened is at the beginning of the pandemic, your sister took her life. Yes. Yeah, it was something very unexpected. In fact, uh, my birthday was March 24th, and that happened two days later, and we just spoke on the phone. We just spoke every day, kind of briefly over text, but then that day we really spent a good amount of time speaking on the phone and with my mom. And Yeah, so it was totally unexpected. Um, yeah, I mean, we kind of, I knew that she was having issues uh, because she, uh, I mean, we can go in detail if you want later, if you have questions, but she had a neuro, neurodegenerative disease mm-hmm. that just conditioned her uh, ability to just have a, like a quote-unquote normal life. Mm-hmm. So that, that has been a struggle throughout her life, but uh, we just didn't realize how much she was hurting her at that point. And those are difficult to treat. I mean, they're very difficult to treat. Yeah, because not only it's not only uh, she had part of her brain being her brain was uh, there was a tissue that was removed from her brain uh, years ago, and a brain is a mystery. Like uh, you don't really know to what extent certain things affect uh, your cognitive abilities, your emotional uh, abilities uh, after a major brain surgery like that. So. Uh, it was kind of a mystery for us to figure out why certain she had ups and downs, and so it was not like a normal bipolar mm-hmm. disease or schizophrenia. It was something a little bit more complex than that. Right, and happening during the pandemic. Um, so I want to step back a little bit from this conversation, but it was important to know that that was when you talk about the other pandemic. Um, I think, I mean, here at the station, we talk about suicide prevention and suicide awareness a lot. It's a conversation that happens because the pandemic, in a lot of ways, just rocketed that suicide and uh, and you know uh, death by police and you know I mean stuff like that. It just rocketed that. But your your show at the Morian 
it has this sorrow and grief within it. But, you know, I mean, you walk in and when you're walking in, the first thing you see is a wall of photos of your mother, your mother laughing. And you talk a lot about humor and how the darkest, the darkest parts of it were sort of, you, you walked through it, maybe blindly, but humor was sort of the only light in a way that you had sometimes. Right. Yes. I mean, um, we've had experiences. My mom had a pretty tough life and she's the most resilient person I know. And I know that humor has always been a mechanism of survival for her and and for us in general as a family. Um, And uh, actually, those were one of the first pictures that I took from my phone uh, because it was really hard to be away from her and because I couldn't really tell how she was feeling like. She, if she didn't answer, we spoke many times over the day, and the day she didn't, the moment she didn't answer the phone, I was literally freaked out. Mm-hmm. I even had like panic attacks at one point, thinking that she's she's gonna go too. Uh, so the very first pictures that I took, and that's how kind of the process started, was of us talking via WhatsApp, like video call. And laughing, and I took uh, print screens of that as a way to remind me, okay, she's laughing. So if she's laughing, she's going to get through this, even if we're not close. Right. And so, and that was kind of like the first thing that uh, got us going and, and overcoming this. So, yeah. You know, years and years ago, um, I was assaulted. And when the police came to the house, my roommates were there. It was right after college. And I was just cracking jokes the whole time, you know, and um, because that's how you deal with things. That's how you give us yourself a little bit of space between right. what happened and, and your own being, like your own self. So, and I, I did wonder looking at this, if, if it's more of a woman's tool than a, a man's tool. I don't know. Like, I don't have a theory, but I know so many women that have used laughter and humor as, as armor, you know, from the world or armor from the big things. Uh, yeah. Did you and your mother ever talk about that part? Uh, there's definitely, it's a, it, it's been a, an old women's house in my house for quite a bit. And, and I feel that, uh, I can I can see why um, we'll we'll find that as a as a more female tool, but it's I can be also personalities because my brother also uh, was a jokester, and so it's it's hard for me to say to what extent it's a family thing or it's a it's a gender thing. Right. Um, I do think about the and now I'm going to be the one saying uh, wrong the name, but I don't know if you saw the Temple Museum of Art. Uh, the exhibition on photographies of Carrie Carrie May Weems. Yeah, nope, you said it right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one that can mispronounce shows on this uh, on names on this show, lady. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the picture of the kitchen series. Uh, one of the pictures that resonated to, with me the most is that picture where she's overcoming that breakup and she's kind of laughing with friends, I believe, mm-hmm. or like. And I, so I can see that. I can see that it, it can be sort of something that uh, that that you do with with the complicity of your female friends. Mm-hmm. I can totally see that. But in my case, also it's a lot about family, family, and yeah. No, we're 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 speaking with. Let's see, Agata. No, Agita. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, about her show at the Morian Arts Center called The Other Pandemic. So you have this, this happened 
um, right near the beginning. And you, there was no traveling. You, like, you could not go be by your mother's side. You could not go mourn at your sister's service. There, only, I think you write, only two people were allowed at a service. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't go. Yeah, so that was one of the things that I feel I can connect the most with immigrants who have similar experience in places where deaths from COVID skyrocketed, like Brazil or Chile or Spain mm-hmm. and Italy at the time, at the very beginning, right? And, uh, you know, as an immigrant, when you leave your country, one of the things that you always hear is not to be there when you have to be. Mm-hmm. And I've always been pretty good at, like, going back to weddings, to um, moments where challenging moments as well and so to me not being there for something like this was really traumatizing and especially under the circumstances that everything happened because yes we had two people at the at the cremation ceremony and then four people at the funeral at the uh, cemetery and all you can imagine it was at the very beginning wearing, wearing masks without hugs without anything it was just uh, I mean there was only one of my cousins that's very close to my mom that she said okay I don't care if I get sick I just need to be with you right now mm-hmm. you and be physical so the fact that there was no physical interaction was really strange and, and in a way both my mom and I I mean, I had the support of my close family. My husband was incredible, my kids. But the fact that there was no mourning together, affection, of, uh, um, it was created as a, a, a sensation of having to neutralize the emotions and leave that for later, like mm-hmm. a proper mourning. Because I don't think you can mourn without hugging. Like That's the way we are in my house, in a way. You know, like we are very affectionate. So kind of not having that forces a little bit to neutralize emotions and leave that for later. And we did have a big funeral a year later. It was really moving and emotional and everything. But but at that moment, it felt like there's so much uncertainty. This is all so surreal. And and if we don't have that physicality, we're all far away from each other. And we, we just have to kind of bury this inside of us for a little bit. So, so we try. We try to do that. But this led, that, I mean, I, yeah. I have to say, but this led to you, I mean, as part of the neutralizing and part of that, I need to, I can't really go through this whole process by myself because that's not, there's not enough of my different languages I speak in doing that. So when and how did picking up the phone camera or picking up other cameras, like talk about the part where now I'm going to record this, I'm going to take pictures of it, I'm going to, I'm going to document this. Talk about that, the entry into that part. So at the beginning, uh, the print screens were almost uh, intuitive. There was nothing really thought out. Even though to me, photography is mostly a mental construction uh, that we use to kind of put out ideas out there. The print screens that I took of my mom and then a print screen that I took when I was video chatting during the funeral were sort of the things that I did almost like uh, intuitively. But when it really started, the idea of like documenting started when I saw my kids in the bathtub playing and laughing. And and so I thought about my sister and how we used to do that together. And I thought, I want to pay tribute to her by documenting that sibling's relationship that my kids have. That I hope, because I don't have pictures of that, I have my memories. And I thought, 
And I put those ideas together, the memories of the things we did together and how I found those in my own kids. And they were spending so much time together because we were all at home, right? Even though there was no really like a hardcore lockdown in Florida versus Europe, we, we spent a, a very a fair amount of time in the house, uh, especially the first two, three weeks. So that was a lot of hours with my kids. And, and I had the opportunity to kind of reflect on my memories with my sister through their eyes and through their experiences. And then from there, I just started documenting my, my home every day. Um, it was really inspiring also to connect with other female photographers, especially online, kind of, uh, you know, processing a lot of more like uh, how we approach photography and times when you can get out of the house. And I saw really interesting uh, stories being done. Uh, I have a great friend called Julia Chan. She did a whole series on, on what happened in her couch. Because her couch <laughs> all of a sudden had this like huge life, right? And so I was like, let me document this. And also reviewing the images that I took on a daily basis helped me see if I was present in the moment, if I was really overcoming this in a way that um, was healthy for me and also for my kids. I needed to be present, uh, mm-hmm. to be with them and kind of like put this grieving aside and and just be with them and try to have some sort of normalcy uh, in our lives. And, and, that, and I will have moments where that was impossible or moments where I needed to retreat and, and I would document those too. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was a tool to also reflect upon where I was every single day. Um, well, there's there's also uh, a, a wonderful video. Just I mean, I, it's just pure joy video uh, with, of course, the sadness tinged. But um, like in the U.S., like everywhere, I think it was happening all over the world. People would come out on a regular basis and like hit pots and pans and stuff like that to celebrate the healthcare workers. But mm-hmm. on her birthday. Instead, was it on her birthday or right around her birthday? Instead, people came out and banged the pots and pans for your sister, for Anya. An- Anna? Yes. Is that Anna? Anna. 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 It, was, it was her funeral, actually. Mm. She, uh, one of the, so when it first happened, the idea that she was not going to have a funeral was so, it was very traumatizing and it kept me awake. I was like, I can't believe that we're just going to be at home. We, you know, this is at the very beginning. So people were not, the online funeral and all of that uh, was not, uh, how do you call it, the awake. The online awakes were not a thing yet. It was just like very early in the time. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I'm not sure what we're going to do to kind of support my mom in, a, in this moment because she's going to be by herself there with my cousin doing the cremation, which I think is the most uh, hard moment of the whole thing. And so what I decided quickly is like, okay, every day at 8 o'clock, uh, we're getting out in the balconies in Spain, especially at the beginning. It was something that people really took uh, seriously and did uh, on a, as a ritual, daily ritual. And I asked uh, families and friends and even strangers that found out about this to just go in the balcony with a, with a sign saying, today the clapping is for you, Anna. And so we made that compilation and we screened it to my mother during the cremation so she could feel oh. <laughs> supported with everybody. And so, and, and, and that was something that, that was, I mean, she keeps talking about it and, and seeing it again at the exhibition was very special because 
you feel lonely. You feel like, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, no, if you're going through that and you're by yourself, it was something she could just hold on to, even if it was just a video, but it was the emotion of feeling supported was there and, and she felt it. And that was the video met the purpose. And I think in a way it was the first step to recovery to say, you're not alone. We are not physically together, but you're not alone. And, Right. And then you got to go to Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, there's a photo that you took, uh, and it's in the airport. And there's, you're sort of standing uh, sort of in the center of the photo with an empty, you know, there's windows and chairs. And then on, your, uh, on the right side of the photo, there's a, a play area for kids that's yeah. empty. And somehow, out of all of the different things in there, that empty play area was just kind of one of those like, oh, you know, and just sort of like the isolation, it highlighted the isolation more in, in that photo than in some of the photos that were sort of more straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting because uh, we go to Spain every summer with my kids and uh, we do, sometimes we take the same route and we go to the same airport. And I have pictures of my kids playing in that same playground years before. So to me, to see that playground uh, completely empty with nobody around and these, uh, you know, speakers reminding me to keep social distance with nobody, really, because I was kind of by myself there, was really shocking. It was because uh, that playground had been a place of uh, anticipation of something exciting in the past. And at that moment was an anticipation of a, of morning, mm-hmm. a morning that really started in the airport when you don't see anybody. Um, it was like three, four passengers, and they're all like wearing the mask. And it was still at the time when there was no vaccines, and people didn't know exactly what was happening. And so, yeah, it was. Yeah. Mm. Is there, I'm, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I know I'm skipping on a rail because there's other things that are in the show that I want to see, but what, how is your mom right now? Well, one of the things that was interesting about this whole uh, process is that we are spending much more time together uh, than before. And um, she, she feels really supportive. I mean, she, as I said, she's an incredibly resilient person. She adjusted to coming here three months out of the year very naturally. She makes her friends. And now back at home, she tries to do new routines for the first time uh, that she didn't do before. So she had been taking care of my sister for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So for her to think about herself and just do things that she likes, it's kind of like a novelty. <laughs> but, um, so she's really trying, and that's what gives me... Uh, gives me peace of mind, the fact that she, she keeps trying new things. She keeps trying to make an effort of reconnecting with friends she hasn't seen in many years. And I think people in general were really excited of going back to normal life. And, and, uh, and there's this new energy of trying to be more social in general. Mm-hmm. Like I go to, when I go to Spain, I go to the streets. And I mean, I think Spain in general is a country where people like to socialize. You see the cafes are filled with people all the time. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter what time of the day. I love that about Spain. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun place. <laughs> exactly. And in recuperating that is something that people really like. So it's, it's also an opportunity for, 
for her to immerse herself in that kind of environment. And she's going to see friends, and she's going to uh, make dinners for family and all of that. And it's been surprisingly good. She has her moments, especially now that uh, there's so much talk about mental health and every time there's a case of suicide in the TV and the conversation opens, she has her down moments mm-hmm. calling everything. But um, that I, I, she, I, it's admirable like, how, how strong she is. It's uh, to make art. I mean, that's what artists do. Obviously, it's a, a silly, not a silly statement, but you make art out of what you're experiencing and, and where you're going through. And uh, so, going back there and, and and to sort of finish what you're saying, there's a wonderful photo of your mom sitting on the beach, looking out at the water, and there's some boats and leisure craft and stuff like that. There, you know, this sense of like, okay, life goes on. And and in my family and in my life, and and many of our listeners who have dealt with. Uh, different types of death uh, that have been painful and stuff like that. Life often does go on, not always, but does go on. Did you, um, it, it sent, it, there was a sense of like how the photos changed as the situation sort of went. And some of that is practical. You know, there's the series of photos that are just the screenshots of your phone video, you know, FaceTiming with your mom. Uh, but, and then there's these other photos of your children that you talk about. And then there's the photos of, um, of sort of going through your sister's room and deciding what yeah. to do with that. And I'm sure listeners out there have had to do that. I've had to do that with my family and help other people do it with their family. Uh, and that can be an ex- experience that has both a lot of laughter, like, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, she kept this. And then right. just sort of, you know, a pair of slippers can then just destroy you also at the same time. When you were deciding to take photos, when you were deciding to do this, I'm going to you know, continue to document this. What were you thinking about, like where you wanted the camera placed, how you wanted to be in the photo, how your mom wanted to, like, was that, were there discussions with your mom about, look, I'm going to document this? How did, how did that part, what were some of the decisions that you made about the photos when you were there cleaning out the room or putting the artwork out or the dog or any of that stuff? To be honest, I let the moment, so... I first entered, uh, I, I knew that I wanted to take my time with that because I had a brother um, that passed away 20 years earlier and I, it was so sudden and we were in so much pain that we kind of, we, it was unbearable. We just pack everything really quickly and then, you know, and, and then I regretted that a little bit. And so because of that experience and because I've talked about that moment of where to keep was to leave behind with people afterwards, I knew that I kind of wanted to take a minute on that moment, especially because I didn't have a funeral with her and I wanted to really say goodbye to her. So, and my, my mom couldn't enter that room in the whole time that, uh, that I was, she waited for me. Right. So that room was not touched for two months. Right. And so I first went in myself and I, I, I intentionally took pictures of the things that caught my attention. Um, and then I, once I kind of had a moment there, I put the, the, the camera in a corner and I just put the interpolometer, which is the way I shot a lot of the things that I shot back home as part of our routine and as a way to include me in the photos. And so the interpolometer was on for for like, I don't know, a couple hours shooting, 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 everything that we were doing, how we were going to things. And um, and then the moment where I just, because I kind of 
I still try to neutralize my emotions a lot with my mom. You know, in a moment like that, you have to be the strong one. Mm. But then at night when everything was packed and it was really the moment to say goodbye, uh, I I went back in and I put the intervalometer and I just spent some time just, you know, taking it in. Um, everything. Uh, and, I, and that was really comforting. I, I, it was painful. It was painful, but comforting. I'm happy I did it mm-hmm. because of what I, because the experience I had in the past with that. And I thought it was really important to include that and make it really prominent in the exhibition because we, like anybody who has to deal with leaving, uh, saying goodbye to somebody, has to deal with that. Like the, the items, what you keep, what you leave behind. And it's a it's a very key moment of a morning process, I feel. There's, uh, and, and there are so many layers because there's no matter what, the, the suicide has a very specific layer. And then just the loss, you know, the loss of that person, the loss of a sibling. You know, my brother died uh, suddenly as well. And sort of, and there were a lot of questions around it. And, you know, and, and just sort of like finding that person again to be able to, um, to understand your own life without the presence. And for you, it was a brother and a sister, you know, so understanding like who, what is my path in this life? You know, I have, you know, I was this person and now am I, I'm that person. And so uh, it's so interesting how things are referred to and documented through your show, throughout the show with the video and the, and the photographs and very helpful and wonderful text things that were written. Did you work with Amanda Cooper on this show or what uh, did you work with someone with Maureen when putting this show together? Um, I spoke with a couple of people. Uh, well, Marieke van der Kraven, which is the curator you had in the show. Not right, long, yeah. Because uh, we've worked together in the past and we're working in uh, the science of photography together. And I, need somebody, I needed somebody to give me some distance. Right, exactly. That's what I want to talk to you about. Like, how did you know when to, you know, I mean, that's so much to work with yeah. someone to sort of figure out how do I tell this, like, how do I create a narrative through right. this? Yeah. Uh, so photography wise, so there was a couple of things that I had to compromise with. One was the fact that uh, understanding either as a professional photographer, that sometimes you have to use materials that aesthetically might not be up to your standards, but mm-hmm. not from a narrative point of view, you are so strong that you have to put them in. Therefore, the screenshots and maybe some of the pictures that I thought, this picture, uh, it's not a fantastic picture from a purely photographic point of view, but it's so important in this moment. And that's what, at the end, matters, like things that emote others and that are meaningful to the story that you're trying (laughs) to say. So working with video, working with the screenshots, that was total novelty for me. Um, and also, I mean, being also myself in the, in the camera, in front of the camera, uh, was a strange and that's something that I had to kind of live with. And, then, and I find that, uh, that the input from others was, was very helpful. Um, and so those, those things were, so Marieke was very helpful with that. I have a friend who's a writer. She's my best friend, uh, like, uh, it's my brother from a different set of parents. <laughs> brother from a different mother. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he, he uh, helped me with the artist's statement to make sure mm. that I could also distance myself enough to kind of tell the story from the outside in a way that people from the outside wouldn't understand right away what I'm trying to say. 
and and Amanda also tried to uh, you know give me some input on the pictures. But it was it was a long process. I had to go back over many times. I printed many pictures. I hang them on the wall, and I try to make these connections even in chronological moments that were not happening at the, like even in moments where they were not chronologically in order so like there's a photo of me looking at the horizon in florida in the beach that was from april and the picture from my mom is from july but going through the picture you say okay i like i'm seeing them in a giant wall all display then you start making these connections and that's something Mar- marieke was highly recommending you to do just like go over them a million times to do your selection and put your ideas together. And that, and that was, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. And what is, uh, we're, we're, we only have a few seconds left. What is coming up next for you? What are you working on now? Well, uh, I, and the same people, uh, uh, I'm also an arts administrator and something I enjoy a lot to work with other artists. So the same people, Month of Photography, we're putting a couple of events together. There. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, yes. And then in terms of uh, series, I have a, a small little series coming up in the Carwell Cultural Center about motherhood and filter, because I like telling the stories. Uh, about motherhood that are not what people are used to seeing social media. Mm. Nothing happy, happy lovey-dovey. So I'm trying to challenge moms to really show what they don't post on social media and try to be vulnerable with their experience uh, as mothers. That's wonderful. Well, please do send us the information on that. Well, I want to mention that the other pandemic is open um, through March 23rd at the Morian Arts Center in downtown. The Morian is located at 719 Central Avenue in St. Pete. If you want some information, you can go online to Morian. It's spelled M-O-R-E-A-N artscenter.org. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I forgot to thank the NAMI, the National Association of Mental Illness, for their support, for using it as a way to bring awareness about suicide. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm trying to find uh, high schools that will be interested in field trips where we can just not only talk about the resources that are available for, uh, through NAMI, but also about the experience of using a camera or other artistic form as a way to cope with traumatic experiences. And so it's trying to keep the conversation open about suicide in a way that will prevent prevent it from happening again. Oh, that's wonderful. So so art art teachers and parents and educators out there, if you're interested in working with the show, The Other Pandemic, uh, please get in touch with me and I will forward it on uh, too because that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for thank calling you. in. I'm so excited. It's such a lovely show. I've seen it three times now and each time I get something else out of it. And now I feel like I've got to go back again and look at it. It's a really amazing show. I so appreciate you coming in and spending the time to chat about it. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Take care now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> How interesting. Hey, we've got um, coming up in just a few minutes, we have uh, Ed Lehman's going to come in to talk about the improv uh, that's going on at the station tonight. Um, anything else? And so I've got also different things going on for WMNF. First, I want to make sure I play this for you. You can keep quality programming on air and quality air in our lungs and cities by choosing a greener vehicle and donating your heavy emitter to WMNF. We make donating easy and the pickup is free. WMNFcar.org has more. Okay, there we go. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, 
Um, also, I want to let you know a couple different things going on about town. Two youth-oriented things. Uh, Creative Pinellas has declared Youth Art Month, and that's March 4th through April 2nd. And uh, they have uh, a partnership with the Clearwater Arts Alliance, and they are presenting kindergarten through eighth grade works of art from the Pinellas County Schools. That is up at uh, the gallery at Creative Pinellas. It's located at 12211 Walsingham Road in Largo. For more information, you can go online to creativepinellas.org and partnering with that Think Tank Theater's Young Artist Ensemble uh, <laughs> it's a mouthful Think Tank Theater Young Artist Ensemble Company Apprentice Program is gearing up and if you are interested uh, in if you have a teen who is interested in theater uh, you can get in touch with them about it there's a long explanation that I will post on my Art in Your Ear Facebook page and Art in Your Ear group we have a group and I hope you will join the Art in Your group if you're on Facebook it is so much fun there's people there who are just fabulous they put, they put their events and then they put their artwork up and there's discussions and book discussions and movie discussions and all sorts of discussions so uh, if you are always looking to build community since you do listen to a community radio station um, I I urge you to join the Art in Your Ear Facebook group because it's really fun so and then I'll put the Think Tank theater stuff up but if you want more information right now you can go online to www.thinktanktya.com Dot org. Think Tank T-Y-A dot org. What else? Oh, I got so much for you. Um, also, also, since we're going to be talking about um, the Living Mirror program, here is the promo for it. WMNF and Living Mirror Playback Theater will host a monthly community talkback and improv show live here in the WMNF studios, 7 p.m. on the fourth Friday of every month. The event will be based on our monthly mission calendar covering topics such as economic justice, environmental issues, and more. We invite community activists and interested listeners to come and share their thoughts and experiences. Then Living Mirror will play back those stories using improv techniques. It'll be a compelling evening of community sharing and improv theater, but space in our studio is limited. So go online to wmf.org backslash events to reserve your seat.
And that is uh, some Nathaniel Rateliff. Because why in the world would we not want to listen to some Nathaniel Rateliff? I ask you. I ask you. Of course we do. Come on. Get in there. Get going. Get going. Get moving. (laughs) We have a special guest in the studio. It's always a delight and a rare delight for me to get to talk to uh, one of the other programmers about fun things that they're doing. And so today seems to be the day that I get to do it because most post Modern Hootenanny Maven Ed Lehman is here today. Hello, Ed. Hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. Welcome back to Art in Your Ear. Well, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's really nice to be here. I remember one time I actually did uh, did uh, sub here. I know uh, it was great. It was oh, great. I, that's why I, that's why I can never have you because you might be too good. <laughs> um, so you're uh, part of, or you're the mastermind of. You gotta let me know of the Living Mirror Playback Theater, and there's a program at WMF. It's a talkback and improv, uh, and that happens. Tonight. tonight, tonight. It is a, a free program, but since the space is kind of limited, people have to kind of make make a reservation. Is that correct? Right. You can go online, uh, wmnf.org backslash events. Ours is the first one. They'll pop up there. And, and you just, you know, uh, say how many seats you need. Right. And I will say... Uh, we we have plenty available seats now, <laughs> so please do. Well, I think it kind of because usually it's the last Friday of the month, because but we had the fun drive, so it got thrown right. off. So people, I think, are thrown off, and it's one of the things that's really nice about it. And we're going to get into the improv for a minute because I love improv with a unreasonable amount of passion. But you also have invited because each one sort of focuses on what the mission calendar is for WMF, and the February one, of course, is Black History, Black Culture, and you know, civil rights, all that type of stuff. And you've got Walter Smith Jr. Oh, yeah, he's, coming he's, in from the fr- from his Sunday show. 
which the name I just blanked out on this Sunday show. Sorry, Walter. <laughs> I knew it this morning. I posted about it. Um, what? So how does it work? Like when someone does it, because most of the time, like with improv, do you get cues from the audience about what you're going to do? Or, or how does that whole thing work? I am so glad you asked that question. Yay. This This is a form called playback theater. It uh, originated in the mid-70s. Uh, there was a gentleman named Joe Fox who was equally adept in theater and psychology. And in psychology, they do something called um, uh, psychodrama, which is they dramatize some of mm. the, 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 parent, the parents, the patients. Maybe they're right. parents too. And sometimes you have just have psychodrama. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and they, they use it as, as a therapy tool. And, and this guy was uh, talking with some other professionals in, in both areas, in both theater and uh, psychology. And he said, you know... I, I just feel like there's something in the middle of this where these two things can kind of join and create something different and new. That's playback. And, and how it works is we have four actors who are going to embody the story that, that gets told. We have a person who's the MC, call them the conductor. They invite people from the audience to come and share an experience from their life. And uh, this experience can be very short. It can be a little long, lengthy, and we have different forms that we practice on a weekly basis. Now, you, you think in terms of, of improv, and you go, how can you practice improv? Well, let me tell you, there's there's about half a dozen different ways that we will present the story and forms that, that we follow once the story is done. So... So you don't know the what the story is going to be oh, because the audience is going to, the audience is going to say, oh, we've got this going, you know, I mean, I can think of a story during the, you know, when the, the marches uh, for the, after George Floyd was murdered, came through our neighborhood and how the people oh, yeah. celebrated it, but they ended up with a guy, there was a neighbor pointing a gun at everyone, you know, and so it's kind of like, oh, this is such a roller coaster. So if I told you that story, you would have to sort of fit it into one of these modalities. Exactly, exactly. So the conductor's job is, is to decide what form it's going to be presented in, and then he informs the actors Are of that. Are you the conductor? Uh, tonight I am. I'm, I'm <laughs> one of the conductors. I am the, can you say that? I am the conductor. Well, no, I got the little step. No, I don't have the little <laughs> stick thing. That's for other Oh, concerts. too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, the, the, the other conductor we have, uh, her name's Erin. Uh, she couldn't make it, and she's really good. She did the first show we had here a month ago, and it was a great show. We, we had a lot of people there. A lot of great stories were, were told. It was about uh, homelessness and hunger. And you would think that'd be a, a downer sort of evening, right. but it wasn't. It, it well, wasn't It's at hard all. to be down with improv because the energy that, that kind of cackles, right? <laughs> exactly. Cackles and cackles off the stage because people have to think on their feet. And that's a pleasure and a joy to watch. I would imagine it's a pleasure and joy to have to do as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's how I, I started about five years ago with, with the troupe, and, and that's what I was doing acting. In fact, just to kind of give you a feel for what uh, playback can, can do, there was an organization that uh, supported parents who had given up their children at an early age, and they, they had this kind of like a convention thing over in uh, Clearwater. That's the first acting gig I went with the troupe. And so I'm driving there thinking, oh, my God, they're, they're, these are parents who have given up their kids. This is going to be a heartbreaking mm -hmm. show. And it wasn't. Mm, it, right. there, there was so, the stories were, were, so much affirmation came out. Many of them reconnected with, with their children uh, 
as adults. And it was it was a beautiful evening, and I was afraid for nothing because right. it, it just it was wonderful. I think that is, and especially like after the last conversation that I just had uh, with the guest about it was about art, but it was also about suicide and grief oh, and yeah. stuff like that. So you know, with her show, I kind of was going back and forth because you know, well, like tune in for an hour of suicide. You know, nobody is going to want to do that. But but the the work was so good, and then at the end there was this love, like it was just you didn't walk away from the show with the idea of grief, you walked away with the idea of love and love continues and love continues past all these different things. And it seems like with the improv that you're doing is that it's not this one beat, like everything is terrible. It's like, here's the whole of a person. Here's exactly. the whole of a life. And we use a lot of humor and fun and laughter to make our way through the world. So when you, so did you bring this, was this your idea for WMNF to do? Uh, yes, I, I, I had the, the brainstorm one night of uh, looking at the the mission calendar, and it struck me that all these subjects that that we have are exactly subjects that, as a troop, Living Mirror is is interested in and has in fact done shows on many of those subjects. And I, so I just want because it's so fascinating. I and Friday nights are hard for me just because driving to Tampa, right. you know, driving 140 miles in a day is right. But you know, it's because like I said I love pro- improv. I love it. I love the energy that improv exudes and the excitement in the audience and the excitement on the stage by having, so you have a small audience. There's only what, 28 people um, or 30 something? 26 or so. 26 people that could be yeah. in there. So that makes it a lot more intimate too. Yes. And that, and that's nice. We kind of struggled with, well, do we need to provide microphones and things? No, the first one we did, uh, the space is acoustically cool. It, it, it works well. Right. It's and our live music hear. studio. It's our live music studio. Right. 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 We're, we're starting to run out of time a little bit. So tonight let's do some facts. So okay. people have to go online, super easy to do, and reserve seats. Can they call and reserve the seats? No, no, just, just no, go, go online. Go online, go yeah. online. And, and I will also say, if you have a problem with it and it's somehow you can't make it work, don't let it stop you. Come on just down, come, we'll take, just come. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> we'll come take care of you. <laughs> because it's really not to miss. And, and next month, so it's going to be on the fourth Friday of March. Uh, we we, we are going to uh, adjust it a little bit okay. to make it, like you said earlier, the last Friday. The last each. Friday. So everybody's going to be the last, so it'll actually be uh, the week after, the 24th, whatever so, it is, 30th or? It is the 31st, my dad's birthday. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so the 31st will be that one, and it's Women's uh, History, Women's, women's Culture history. Number. Right, absolutely. So yeah, ooh, that's going to be on fire. Uh, <laughs> so right, that. Right. so um, is there a way, is uh, through the WMF website, the only way to find out information about you guys, or is there anything, any other way uh, to find out information? We do have a Facebook page. Okay. It's uh, Living Mirror Playback Theater of Tampa. There's an old site that's, kind of dead, so we don't okay. want to go there. So we will, um, so dear listener, after the show, I will share that on our Facebook page so you awesome. can find it if needed. Ed, thank you so much for coming in. Postmodern Hoot Nanny airs on Sundays at? 10 to noon. And it is a delightful <laughs> show. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for having so, me. <laughs> so everyone, you've been listening to Art in Your Ear here on WMNF 88.5 FM. WMNF Tampa, the best little station in the nation. I have a song that I'm going to play. I wanted to play it last week for the fun drive. Did you do okay on the fun drive? Oh, we we raised um, a, cl- a little over seventy percent of our goals. Wow, that's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna 
people can still support. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, the, yeah. and the station does need a little bit more flow. So if you did not get a chance to support right there, look, there's a show you can support right away. And you could also support E-Love, who is on the air following this show. E-Love does a beautiful show every single week. It's Global Electronica and looks like she has an interview this week. That's followed by the Live Music Showcase. And they are setting up all their many, many, many uh, music stands. So there's something fun going on in there. <laughs> that is followed, of course, by the Reverend Billy and Marvelous Marvin. He, they do... Kind of reaching into the roots of rock and roll. You never, ever, ever know what you're going to hear on that show, but you will laugh when you hear it. We go into the evening. We slip into the evening with some classic R&B with Steve the Hitman and his crew. At 6 o'clock, at 8 o'clock is the smorgasbord known as the Soul Kitchen. Rhythm-based music, really fabulous and then we end our nights at 10 o'clock, starting with uh, Flashback Friday, which is Florida-based blues and R&B and kind of uh, late night chit-chat, I guess mm. we can call it. Mm, sexy. Yeah. Again, you've been listening to Art in Your Ear. My name is Jerrell Chilke. I am the hostess who loves you absolutely the most. So if you want to get in touch with me, you certainly can do that. Just email joellenjoellen at wmnf.org. And thanks again to everybody who supported Art in Your Ear. I love you. You rock. NPR News is coming up next. Stay tuned. Thank you. Bye.